And we are live. Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. Welcome to podcast at Ground Zero, episode sixty-two, War Day. I am the apocalypse nerd. Uh, the apocalypse nerd. He is Adam Bomb Glancy. We're a little. I'm a little flustered because again, we've had some kind of technical problems to start. As usual, you know, we go away for a little while and everything fucking breaks on us. You know, like my old, my new, my better headphones broke. Hangouts is getting weird. They're changing it. They're going to monetize it and make it for businesses. So we, in the future, we may not be doing the podcast this way. We're going to have to find a new way to do it. So yay for us. Well, you didn't think things were going to go smoothly in the apocalypse, did you? I mean, we, we were kind of asking for it by picking this topic. Yeah. Well, I think we're just kind of asking for it by just doing what we do, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> you, asked, you were asking for it by getting out of bed. You could have yeah. stayed in bed. You could have just been pulled the covers over your over your head. That'd work. Yeah, it probably just should have because it would have probably would have worked out better for me. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think there's going to be a point where Nancy just stops bringing you food in bed, and you have to get up. I think eventually that's just yeah. a given. So, what have we got going on in the news of uh, the apocalypse? What do we have? Okay, well, as you'll see, um, the background here, uh, my move apocalypse happened, and, you know, we moved. So the bunker's now located in a new place. Uh, so uh, new, new, a little bit new backgrounds, but the folks can now see my Mad Max signs a little bit better in the background there. And then if you see back in the corner there, that uh, shelf, let's see here, that shelf here is all Gamma World, and, and that first like third is all Gam World. That's my Gam World collection right there, folks. I, I, don't, I don't. I'm not playing it. I do. I do see a copy of Mall of America up there, lurking on one of the shelves. Oh yes, yes. Everybody's favorite Mall of America. Well, it's a really poorly produced game, but uh, but I like the game. So yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. And again, I could. Uh, well, maybe I could take the camera off to. Uh, maybe I could show folks the wall. Watch out! Watch out for the helicopter! Oh no, it's a fan. Yeah, it's a fan. I'll show <laughs> them the wall of the apocalypse. Saigon. Why did it have to be Saigon? It's well, it's backwards because I can't flip anything anymore because they removed the goddamn uh, feature to uh, uh, our Google Plus. But you can see here, I've added to the wall of the apocalypse. I got a couple more Game World Second Edition. Uh, Cover there, uh, Legion of Gold, my Gamma poster, Thundar, the map, uh, Metamorphosis Alpha there. So we've uh, we are totally. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's it's mutant down. You can see back up there uh, the um, uh, mini nuke and Pip Boy is up there. It's a lot of focus, but uh, this is a little far away. But it's it's up there. So like I said, we don't. Uh, we don't. Now it's out of focus. Let me get that in focus. We don't. Uh, we don't pretend here at uh, Podcast Act Ground Zero. We are. We are. We are definitely in, into the subject matter. Um, we nerd all the nerding. Yes, we do. I wish right, I could turn my camera and show you the bookcases over here. That this behind me is all like history. The bookcases over there are all post-apocalypse and uh, Gamma World and Twilight 2000 and, and things like that. But anyways, moving right along. I see. Uh, one, one thing I got for Christmas was there's the new, and I posted about it, was the new uh, Metro 2035. Uh, it's come out, the third book in the series. 
So uh, I, I, got, I got that. And again, everything's probably looking backwards because I can't switch everything around. Um, also, I got, so that's something I'm going to be reading. We'll talk about that. Um, also, I got for, again, for Christmas was this here is a schematic for the Titan II missile. So when, we were at, when I was at the silo, my wife uh, behind my back picked this up and got it for me. So I'm going to eventually get this somehow displayed. So I got the full schematic of a you know, Titan II missile here. You know, um, What else I saw? There's a new post-apocalyptic book that I saw. It's a series of books, and they are like a lighthearted apocalypse. And I did get the one. And... Um, it's by Benjamin Wallace. It's called Post-Apocalyptic Nomad, Nomadic Warriors, A Duck and Cover Adventure uh, is, is the name of the series. <laughs> and there's the... Uh, it sounds like there's seriously... sounds like there's seriously... Uh, well, okay, let, let me shut up so you can show the cover. The colors are a little off because it's, you know, a screen on a screen, but... Uh, I, I uh, it's really it's really colorful. It's just you can't see it on there. Um, so I don't have a hard copy of it. I just they had like the PDF, the um, the ebooks on sale for like two ninety nine for the Kindle. So I picked one up. So I've read like you know a dozen pages or so, and it's it's kind of, it's very it's very tongue in cheek. You know, like is it seriously pushing that eighties apocalypse? Oh yeah, this guy like is a nomadic warrior. He comes in, they're like, "What's your?" He's like, "Well, I come here because things happen, and I show up and I take it." It's it's very it is so tongue in cheek. It's like I don't know how bad you know how bad it is, but I'm gonna read through that and uh, see how that um, see how that is. Um, and then also we're, we're we're both working on shift. Yeah, we're both working on shift. So we're so we're gonna read. We're going to review that as well once we're through with that. And then uh, we have some a, a bunch of post-apocalyptic uh, books going to be coming our way from our friend Stephen Lee from 77 Lost Worlds, who we had on the podcast. They have a, uh, a bunch of collections of uh, anthologies for the lunar uh, uh, portion of the, of the game, plus the, the – uh, I think it's called the um, – I can't forget what it's called – the. Uh, the ravaged earth or devastated earth, you know, like, sorry, Stephen. Um, uh, they have those books and plus, uh, like the deep space. So it's like a whole bunch of apocalyptic stuff coming. So we're going to, uh, I pro I promise I'm going to try to be, we're going to be trying to be good boys about that. Actually read this stuff people are sending us and then, you know, then review it. So that's, that is my resolution for 2017 is to, you know, read shit people give me, you know? <laughs> so, uh, we're going to, so we got that coming, and I saw there's a bunch of, oh God, one of my favorite sites, Quiet Earth. I don't know if you're familiar with that site. Mm -hmm. Scott, have you seen that? Ever seen that site, Quiet Earth? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Uh, there's a bunch of like apocalyptic stuff, uh, movies coming out. Like I just saw this one that's coming out. It's a zombie film. Let me just look that up real quick here. I didn't have it in front of me uh google looking up here folks you know it's quieter.us there is oh did you also did you see the trailer for the richard corbin the roger corman death race 2050 yes yes i did it looks like they are well they're they're gonna do it and i gotta admit the 
I did not see the Death Race movie that came out a while back, and there's been like two or three sequels. They, for some reason, they held no interest for me. But uh, see Roger do it again. I, I, I'll, I will give Roger a chance. I will give Roger a shot. I, I will definitely uh, take a gander at his uh, dystopian future. You know, for yes. for sure, for sure. Um, but there is a movie coming out. Um, God, where where I'm trying to find it now. Um, is it a zombie film? It's a zombie film. Well, there's Train to Busan, right? Which is yeah. the Korean one. That's one I was going to mention too. Train to Busan, because even though the zombie genre's got so worn out now, but Train to Busan looks good. Yeah, and the other one you're thinking of, I think, is the British one called The Girl with All the Talents. Well, there is that uh, Girl with All the Talents, but there's another little one coming out called um, Dead Shack. There was a Kickstarter for it, which I missed because it ended a couple days ago. Um, it's little kids versus zombies, and all right. And one of those kids, I believe, is the one of the main characters from Stranger Things. Okay. It is. Okay. It is. I believe it's the one, the main one. Um, who well, the one that had the? I can't remember his name because it's been a while since we watched it. Um, the one who had, you know, that Eleven stayed at his house and he started. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the. Uh, he was the dungeon master. He was a dungeon master. He was the guy who, the guy who ran the games for the other kids. Yep. I believe he's in it, and it's called uh, Dead Dead Shack, and it's got them like they're like in like they're like covered in tape and cardboard in the trailer, and like football helmets, and they're fighting over. It's it's it's, it's a dark comedy, but it looks amusing because like okay. the one is like I want this one. He's like you got a shield already. What better, you know? And she's like, "Oh, you get all the cool weapons." It's like you have the gun, you know. It's like it's, it's um, okay. Standard, standard kids arguing. Standard group of player characters in a role-playing game arguing over the loot, you know. Okay, they're kids and they're fighting zombies. So I'm, I'm, we can, I'm we, can give, we can give that a try. Uh, yeah, well, it's. I think they like they're getting the Kickstarter to raise money so they could finish it up. Like they're trying to do as much practical effects as possible, but they need to do some digital stuff, of course. But it's uh, something to keep an eye out for. I'm eventually gonna post kind of this post, you know, blog posts for all this kind of crap, you know. So, um, yeah, that's yeah, that's some some of the stuff I've been seeing that's going to be uh, coming out. Yeah, um, certainly the uh, uh, certainly the uh, Trinity Busan and the girl with all the talents. Both looked like not the not the standard zombie movie, and at least with the Train to Busan, even if it is sort of the standard zombie movie, it's on a train. Uh, they they did some things that I was very happy to see in a zombie movie. Uh, just little 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 tiny little elements. One of the best was that thing where the big glass wall in the train station collapses under the weight of the zombies, and they just all start pouring through. They go boom, and I was just like, "Yeah," because unlike the rest of us, zombies aren't gonna get aren't gonna care if they get stuck in a crush, like what was it the that Who concert in Cincinnati? You know, yeah. where people got cr Zeke's not gonna care. He's just not. He's just gonna get compressed and compressed until whatever it is gives way under the weight of the mass, and then they're in. Um, 
And then, the one, and then the one guy in the trailer, like they're they're about to try to get to another car. You see him with like duct tape, like wrapping his forearms with tape. You know, that's a, that's not the worst idea it's I've not, ever heard. I, I saw that. I'm like, that's awesome. That's again, <laughs> it's, it's those little details, you know. Yeah. So it's a little. Details. And it's also one of the things that I always think is why the zombie apocalypse, as portrayed in movies, is overhyped because that's the problem with humans we solve problems zeke doesn't solve problems zeke does one thing very well but he just does one thing so you know i i, I tend to think that uh that uh, people will adapt very quickly and zeke will never adapt you can pull the same trick on Zeke a thousand times, and he'll fall for it every single time, depending on your zombie mythology. Yes, I know you can have cooler zombies with different stories, and zombies zombies are only what the authors want them to be. You know that's the problem with zombies; they're always something different, depending on what point the author is trying to make about people. So, oh well. Speaking of the points that. Uh, people are trying to make that is at the heart of every post-apocalyptic story it's always about what's what's the author trying to say about us uh as the human race and uh hopefully we've hit on that when we've discussed some of the uh some of the of the books that have come out and certainly to me that was very much at the top of my mind uh going back through our book of the day war day war day Mm-hmm. Whitney, Whitney Stryber and James Knutka. Knutka. I got to tell you, Whitney is the same guy who's going to make a career out of telling everyone he got butt probed by aliens. Oh, does he? And writing lots. Of, oh, yeah. Don't you know Contact? Uh, Whitney Stryber's Contact. They made it into a Christopher Walken movie, and aliens stuck things in Christopher Walken's butt. And also, apparently stuck things in Whitney Stryber's butt. But he made... A lot of alien context books after this in the 90s. Some of them, and it got very blurry whether he was writing fiction or fact. He always, uh, I, I believe he came down. So it's kind of funny that we're, you know, that, that, that uh, <laughs> this, this book uh, came from a guy who's now, whose career after the Cold War was all about aliens. You know, it's like he switched threats. You know what I mean? Uh, he made this very cool book. Uh, they were talking about doing a sequel, but it never happened. And in fact, the clo- what it ended up being was Nature's End, which I also have up on my shelf, which isn't isn't really the same kind of apocalypse, but it's sort of a... It's sort of an environmental apocalypse in motion. The story okay. is set during a, a world that is going south um, because of population and environmental pressures. Um, one of the, the standout feature of that book is a worldwide cult slash political party that is pushing for the idea that since the, pop, the earth can't support this population, everyone should... Uh, voluntary enter a program of 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 a euthanasia lottery to decide who wins and who loses. Basically, oh. 
distrib distributing a bunch of pills that everyone's supposed to take at zero hour, and one-third of them are poison. And we'll fix the environmental problems like that because one-third of the population will drop dead. And this cult is, is getting more and more influence in that world. Um, and it's sort of the linchpin of the whole story. But that's nature's end. Let's talk about War Day. How did you consume War Day, Mr. Wallace? Well, uh, I came back to it, you know, many years. I tried to read that same. I have that same book that you showed. I tried to read that back when I was in high school, and I just couldn't do it. I don't know why I could not do it. So I did the audiobook version of it, which uh, made it a lot easier to consume. Thinking about it now, I think part of the, a lot of the problem I had was that there were so many pages upon pages of charts and statistics. Oh, but that's nerd porn. There's maps. There's maps in the book showing uh, the fallout patterns for North America. And uh, let me just turn to those. Yeah. So I remember seeing this as a kid or in college. And there's like three, four more pages of, of maps of it. And just being, whoo, you know, again, nerd porn. It was all that D&D. &D. But you're right. It's, it's filled with, with weird data tables uh, of stats and analysis which at the time uh, and, I was really not interested in, you know. And it looks like, and it was designed to read like official documents. Yes. That was one of the things that was both interesting and problematic is that the summary of effects induced by electromagnetic pulse in the October 1988 attack on the, by the Soviet Union and their implications for recovery uh, declassified document from 28th of April 1991. That's kind of cool as an artifact as an adult but as a high school student i'm i understand why you wanted to get to the part where they they machine gun the mutants or just it was just too it was too dry for me at the time i couldn't i couldn't do it even like i think the only way i could get through that book even now is audiobook because they, they kind of read through all that boring stuff so it's like i could pay attention but i don't have to pay a hundred percent attention and i could get through all the statistics you know and it is dry it's not the it's not the it's not really as well written as compellingly written as i want i mean it's a style like studs turkle's the good war or max brooks's world war z but those books told more engaging stories you know studs turkle's because it was real stories and brooks because he just forced the stories to be more entertaining these are so dry i mean they 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 are really dry stories yeah and well because they're just they're just basically on a fact-finding mission to try to compile information so okay let's let's tell people what the book is about war day okay sure. um yeah war day uh, there is a limited nuclear exchange between the united states and russia in october of 1988 okay the in the books oh and just so folks know, the book was written in 1984. We will give you the obligatory spoiler alert, but uh, you know we're not going to again. We're not going to give you every single detail about the book, but we're probably going to spoil a lot of stuff. So, you know, take you know user 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 discretion is advised. So, uh, October 88 limited nuclear exchange uh, initiated by the Russians, and they wound up hitting uh, Texas. They wound up hitting New York, Washington, and the missile fields in like the whole the North South Dakota area were the main um, main areas that they that they hit. Um, 
we'll go into some of the issues that how much problem I have with some of this stuff. But um, so there's a limited nuclear exchange. We struck back. You know, they they go into a lot in the book about how uh, they totally underestimated the EMP effects and how they would initiate EMP effects, saying that systems were built to withstand X amount of, uh, you know, electromagnetic poles, but they wound up, like, doing, like, five times as much as anticipated. Uh, so, like, it, it, you know, electronics were wiped out, most all, all over the place. So, um, and it goes into, it tells the story of, you know, the main characters, kind of, like, what happened during the war, because they kind of, they, they kind of talk about it. And then you fast forward uh, five years, I believe, uh, in the story, and you know, basically, you know, New York is, you know, abandoned. Uh, there's uh, San Antonio. Is it San Antonio? Um, San San Antonio was the one that got nuked, and his reason for nuking it was, but let's not. It was not what I. I, I wouldn't have. Picked. That would not have been my target. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, was, it, was, it, it was. It's definitely on the list. It was definitely on the list of normal targets, but for whatever reason, they picked that with the limited attack. You know, yeah. Instead of say Houston or, or you know the someplace closer to oil production or you know strategic production. Well, they also said that a lot of their stuff missed too. Like you know they went they were they were bombed New York, but no, there was no real direct hits in New York. They kind yeah, of went New York is already yeah New York's a radiological disaster. Hit, I think is what it was. Um, well, but, there, uh, there, was, there was blast effects, you know, because of the proximity. But they did not get direct hits. They all like went onto the ocean. If I like three, I think it was three missiles, and they're all like offshore. You yeah. know. Yes, but magically the ones in the the ones in the uh, in the Dakotas. Oh, uh, surgical! Those surgical were all bang on target. Oh, they were precision strikes which wiped out our entire missile fields in North and South Dakota. Yeah. Which I'm not buying. You know. Well, th there's a number of problems with the book. Um, that I don't think they handle. I don't think they handle the Navy thing very well. Oh they, my God. I mean, this or this, the, the 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 war takes thirty six minutes supposedly, and there's actually a part where they're they're trying to you know the, after the initial strikes, there's all that's happening is they're trying to shut the war down after the first strikes are done, and uh, they still manage to destroy ninety percent of the United States Navy surface fleet. Yeah, which which they got into later in the book, explaining how like oh, basically you know it's kind of like when you play Battleship and you put all your ships together together to try to uh, avoid the guy finding you, and you hope that he doesn't find you. It seems like in the book he was under the assumption oh, all of our ships are going to be all bunched together, and you can just take him out with one nuke strike. Uh, I'm calling bullshit yeah. on that. I'm totally calling bullshit yeah, on that. Uh, again, I have to call bullshit on the uh, on the fact that our military forces are widely dispersed to places around the world, like the you know Western Europe. Western Europe apparently doesn't get its hair hair must at all, which is weird. Um, well, because basically, well, and then also before we get into what happened there is during that time in 1988, this was before the Cold War had ended. Now, you know, people will correct me if I'm wrong. Um, during that time. Wasn't it sounds like somebody's? I bet you it's Colin. He's probably telling me that I'm wrong on something, but um, yeah, because um, that's, that's what he does. Um, we always at that time had bombers in the air during that cold work period of time. I don't know 
how much we had, but wasn't it at least a wing was constantly in it's the air? It's a couple of wings. It's a couple of wings in the air, you know, We're at all times. Constantly circling the globe. Yeah. So why, you know, why didn't they do anything? And then what happened to them afterwards? He never talked about the Air Force and what happened to the Air Force because it wasn't like they were all flying right around the United States, you know, to be knocked and up just by EMP. Got what? And, and what, got all EMP'd out of the sky? You know, yeah. maybe. Um, but, uh, and also they just, they never discussed the massive armies in Europe. Did they fight? Did they not fight? Was it over before they could fight? Um, one of my, one of the, one of the things that I remember just stood out to me as a derp moment is he said, he has this description of like the, there, as they're describing what happened to the Soviet fleet. There's this interview with a Navy officer and he's talking about, well, the eight typhoon class, you know. Soviet submarines in the Baltic never sortied or whatever didn't do this or were destroyed. And my first thought was, and, I can, and this is when I read it in the nineties was like typhoons in the Baltic. Uh, no, this, the red banner Northern fleet never put their typhoons in the Baltic. It was uh, that they were designed for to operate under the Arctic ice. They were out of uh, Murmansk, you know, and the, the white sea, they were all up North so they could, they could operate, under the Arctic ice cap for cover, uh, they wouldn't bottle them up in the Baltic where they can't get out through, you know, NATO Denmark. That's that's somebody who never bothered to, to do all that much research. I'm we're armchair ner war nerds. We are absolutely armchair war nerds, and we knew that. Uh, that 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 kind of seems stupid to me, but. The, the, the his his the idea behind the book is there's like a short nuclear exchange, and now five years later, America's a third world toilet. We are a third world toilet that are that is completely shattered and divided. You know, California's kind of its own little entity. Apparently, there's multiple other you know areas. Uh, we are basically like the South, the South uh, Dixie. That got missed by the nukes. Everything from Kentucky, Washington, D. South, and Texas East avoided getting nuked. So it's very much uh, separate from the rest of the country the way California is. Yeah. And basically, you know, it's a third world country, and we are completely at the mercy of the Japanese for help and the British, you know, who came around so uh, gladly helped us. Now, part of the reason that we got. Uh, We'll get to the point of what the book is in a second, folks. But a lot of this is related because they're telling a lot of this information. Because basically, the gist of the book, folks, is those two guys in the book decide to find out. We really, they really want to know what happened and where the country is after this war. Because yeah. the idea that five years later that that nobody really knows the details of the war. Yeah, and, and they don't know what's happening in different parts of the country because there's no national news service or there's no. Uh, the, the, the news is controlled by foreign powers and also controlled by regional governments that sing a song that you don't know what's true and what's not. There's competing uh, narratives. And yeah, so there's, they, there's, so, there's so much rumor and innuendo and people don't know what the hell's going on. And so they want to create a book to find out what happened to America afterwards. So they travel throughout, the, they're traveling throughout the country, going through the different areas. There's like, you know, there's um, just south, you know, there's bad areas in Texas, and the south of there is um, an area 
called it's a Mexican state, Aztlan, uh, which is basically being oh the the Mexican. No, no, I, 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 I thought uh, the Aztlan Gambit a, a, it was one of the was one of the iffiest parts of the whole book. Um, yeah, the Hispanic, a, the Hispanic Native American uh, country they're making, and basically the, the Japanese are there helping them out, you know, trying to yes. uh, uh, build the, agriculture, and you know, and more importantly, ethnically cleanse all the honkies. Yeah. Um, the The idea that uh, that Arizona, Texas, New Mexico, Southern California, that those white populations would stand around. Uh, letting uh, a minority population uh, ethnically cleanse them, that that seems like the exact opposite of what would happen. Yeah, because we, <laughs> we know, I, I have we, a hard time buying that. Yeah, we know modern attitudes about that area, and yeah. they weren't that much different back then. So, no, and and the as far as you know, just to go straight tribalist politics. 1988, 1989, or when this is written, 1984, uh, the minorities were smaller numbers than they are today. The demographics had not shifted like they have today with a rising Hispanic population. Um, the idea that the Hispanic population is just gonna is gonna uh, pick on the uh, Caucasian population just didn't make any sense to me. Particularly doing it with Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> Japanese connivance like this is them getting us back for that's another thing about the book is it uh, it has certain 1980s uh, ideas and one of them is that the Japanese are out to get us we had some Japano panic in the 1980s you know with their car industry and our car industry and, and their economy and our economy and we kind of got <laughs> a little stupid scared about the Japanese and oh, yeah. uh, Colin just said something funny. Uh, I agree. Let's hear it. He goes, "Luckily, nobody in the South had weapons to defend themselves from the uh, re the reconquer the reconquer uh, the reconquers." I can't say that from uh, uh, reconquista. Thank yeah. you, thank you from the reconquista. Thank you of Aslan. Yeah. And you know what? I think Colin is Colin is right there yeah. because. I, th I think there. I think there are probably more firearms uh, along that southern border of the country than per square inch. Yeah, yeah, per square inch. It's it's a little dense. You could probably walk from rifles from Tucson to El Paso. Well, he, he <laughs> but he makes it. He makes it seem like that everybody. And well, that aside, you know, he makes it seem like that every single person in this entire country was some kind of shell shocked, depressed. You know, like, oh my god, I can't believe that happened. We can't do anything. And they just fucking flop over and you know let everybody walk all yeah, over. There's a lot of total surrender and total, you know, shock. Not gonna happen. Not gonna. Ha not gonna happen. No. No. Um. Yeah. For months. But the problem is the book is set five years in the future, and there's no, there are no emergent political parties. I mean, I the first thing I imagine is that there's going to be some emergent force in america maybe it's nasty and fascistic and nationalistic but there's going to be a let's get even with the world movement if oh, yeah. we if we took one on the on the chin uh we would get ugly yeah it's, we it, might get ugly and crazy they just, they just made it seem like everybody just went belly up yeah that america yeah we deserve this 
just just give us everything that we deserve because we were such bad. It seems like that was maybe the author's, you know, bad feelings about how we treat everybody else. Like, okay, we are getting what we deserve, you know, in belly up, you know, going belly up, you know? Yeah. Well, there's a there's a number of weird things uh, about his his dissection of this nuclear war, and some of the stuff he gets, some of his stats and his radiation totals are interesting. Um, I find it weird that he has to throw in a, a, a some a mystery plague at one point uh, called the Cincinnati flu to knock out some more people. Um, I personally think that post nuclear strike. Uh, one of the things that I loved about, uh, I want to say it was Tom, I think it was Tom Mulkey was writing about it in um, Twilight 2000 in um, Urban Gorilla about Florida. He started talking about the number of casualties in Florida related to just regular health care going away. You know? Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. We talked about that, too. You know, yeah. how there'd be such a huge uh, drop-off death of populations is because people can't get their meds or treatments anymore, you know? Yeah, huge, huge die-off in the elderly, a huge die-off in the young, in the in, in the very young. Um, both ends of that scale would just crash um, uh, precipitously. And uh, certainly that should have happened post his nuclear war. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, so I don't think it was necessary to introduce the idea of a, of a, of a, of a plague that may or oh, yeah. may not have. Yeah, the Cincinnati flu. May or may not have been, yeah. I don't think that was necessary to further depopulate uh, the continent because he dropped a bunch of nukes and dropped a bunch of fallout in the wheat belt, you know? Um, I, I imagine that, you know, and he's got a lot of good famine numbers. He's not joking about the famine. Yeah. Um, you know, they knock about one-third of the population out of the United States between the nukes the famine, the radiological deaths, but the, 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 and there should have been plenty of diseases. I don't fault him on that. And there have been, but, but a special disease was seemed unnecessary, but all right. Um, oh maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, I can't remember what the hell it was called, but um, it was some new weird thing at all. Yo, you got, uh, I've forgotten already. It's like, oh, you got such and such. Oh, you know, but, and then part of the problem too is with everything is how everything happened was basically, what was it? France, England, and somebody else made you know, all in NATO made a pact. They said that secretly made West a Germany. What made a secret pact with the Russians, saying, "Hey, you know what? If you want to go fuck up the Americans, you know, you could go have them. Just leave us alone. We won't interfere." You know, which is a which is a big fuck you to us. You know, uh, and also suicidal because if the Russians did get rid of us, um. I'm not sure how you keep all those tank divisions out of downtown Paris, but you know. Yeah, um, as we know, the Russians okay. had a lot of they had a lot of tanks. Yeah, they had a lot of uh, everything. And not a lot to use them on except Western Europe. It's not like they're going to drive their tanks across the Pacific and invade California, um, or five whole army groups across the Bering Strait, like they said in Red Dawn. And I'm always like. Really? I, I'm not, which which freeway did you drive those five army groups across yeah, uh, Alaska on? Because I've that's a long that's a long way to drive tanks on no roads. Yeah, they had to be all transported, you know. So yeah, yeah, he gets a lot of shit wrong, and I think you know that. Oh well, now like after that, after the war, like we're you know we're 
because basically, you know, it's kind of like, you know, uh, imperial you know, uh, colonization again with Britain, you know, kind of like kind of taking over, like we're like, we're their new India, you know, they're like, we're going to give you aid, we're going to help you out, but we're going to take over everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, what's left of the U.S. What's left of the U.S. Navy is reincorporated into the Royal Navy. So suddenly, Britain, Britannia rules the waves again with the leftover American fleet at its disposal. Yeah, because just like because there wasn't that because apparently there wasn't that much of our fleet left. But it's like again, we called bullshit on how they took out almost our entire fleet. There'd be more left, and you know, especially back then, didn't we have and still have the most largest fleet? In the world, you know. Yeah, well, um, exactly. Still do at the moment, I think. Um, even even though we've downsized, I don't think you know. A the whole our whole fucking fleet would be taken out like in this book, and I don't think they would roll over. To, you know, despite the whole thing about oh they don't have orders this and that, I'm sure they weren't just going to take that laying down. You know. Well, the idea that the British are going to offer us aid, all right, um, in exchange for say they want to, you know, part of think it was it was like lend lease in reverse. We'll give you aid, but you're going to have to turn over, you know, what's left of the fleet for one thing. Um, uh, and they said, you know, sort of uh, having rights to extract resources and things like that in exchange for other kinds of aid. And I'm thinking, you know, what aid are they talking about? Exactly. I mean, uh, would it be those giant wheat fields of Manchester? They're going to feed everybody in the Midwest because our wheat fields are irradiated. I mean, same thing with Japan. Oh, Japan's going to come in and has very much colonized California where there's signs up in Japanese and American now. And at the same time, and it's all very Blade Runner looking out there with the Japanese and, and Asian and cultures mixed. But I'm like, Japan can't feed itself. So yeah. where's this aid coming from exactly? I mean, if you wanted to tell me that Argentina or Australia or Canada is feeding us, you know, that makes much more. That makes a lot well, more well, sense. The Japanese, well, the Japanese have moved into Astalan and was not trying to get crops growing in soy, you know, to try to bring back, you know, to, to feed. And, you know, they're giving, they're giving in, us in, in Arizona, in New yeah. Mexico. And they're giving us radios and TVs again, you know, and trying to have a normal life, you know, because everybody's just like, oh, okay, you know. And, and more, as long as we got television, we're happy if we have television and video games because that's America. And then, <laughs> and then what was the, um, like, all the scientists? Uh, oh, were, oh, yeah. They're extracting scientists from America, like the Japanese own Los Alamos now. Yeah. Or it's jointly administered by the Japanese and the British and, and and they're picking over our scientists like we're Germany at the end of World War Two, where half of them are going to Japan and half of them are going to England. And I'm just I'm uh I don't know, man. His uh, his point was to of this book is to subject America to conditions where we would be a third world country. And I'm all in favor of that plan as a fictional exercise, but I think we both thought he was kind of sloppy in the way he created the conditions, right? Yeah. That he could have done it. He could have been sharper um, creating those conditions. Because um, I, I think there would have been more retaliation, whether or not he says they called it off and people with the orders. Because I think you'd definitely have some people who are, you know, fringe and if this was happening they're like well fuck this you know because a we had all these wings in the air still you know 
and our entire subfleet, which which carries a large portion of our nuclear arsenal, yeah. which which they weren't just taking out because they were you know underground secret missions, you know, for six months. We don't know where they are. They didn't just get all taken out with the big you know nuking. So why weren't these guys eventually surfacing and being like, well, fuck this shit? You know, they took us up. Fuck them. You know, I don't know. One thing, one thing that was really missing, and they make the point that like the new capital of the United States is supposedly like in Los Angeles now, and it's powerless, and it, and really regional powers, regional states are are, are turning into uh, their own governments almost, like their own small countries, point. you know. Yeah, um, and I get, uh, I, I, I get the idea of of sort of broken up. Um, uh, a diffusion of power, a diffusion of authority to a certain extent. Um, but at the same time, it's almost like it didn't break up small enough. Like, like if it's going to be breaking up like that, why aren't, why is like uh, the mayor of Seattle tells the governor in Olympia, go fuck yourself. You know, King County doesn't need the rest of Seattle or whatever. Or yeah. need, Seattle doesn't need the rest of the of the state of Washington or or he, or he, he was trying to say that Spokane. He, he was trying to see you know have it like the country's broken up and there wasn't any unity because it was broken up the sections. But then also I think he had too much unity on the smaller scale, like you're saying. That I, I think it'll be more fractured. You know. Yeah, yeah. If it's gonna be if it's gonna be that broken up, um, there's gonna be a lot. I would think that there'd be more fracturing, and that you would have. You know, city states making their own agreements, you know, with other parts of the world, maybe to get Argentinian uh, beef or or wheat from uh, Saskatchewan and, and Manitoba or whatever. Um, uh, I want to say that during the court, I mean, they make the point that uh, you know uh, Canada took a massive hit because of the EMP, and Mexico is 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 wrecked as well because of the EMP. But and the famine and, and the Canadians are like like yeah like, of course super pissed at us and like you know treat us like complete assholes they're like this is all your fault we have radiation EMP and this and that you know but we're just gonna come and basically you know like I said the whole, the whole gist of this guy's you know book seems to be America is getting what it deserves here's our lesson we're gonna go belly up and just take it because we feel we deserve this that's the impression I got yeah. from the book you know which I don't think is a hundred a hundred percent accurate. You know, uh, I mean, there are some interesting aspects of the book. I guess I'm traveling throughout the country, you know, going to California, which was basically like, you know, breaking into a breaking into a country because they had like the, the strictest immigration and border laws. Oh, and, and, California. California looks like England in Children of Men. Yeah. Can't get in, you know, unless you got the pass, you're out, you know, and they travel throughout the whole country, you know, seeing the different areas and getting people's attitudes to see, you know, people like, oh, America's going to rise again. Again, lots of statistics and oh, polls show this and polls show that and asking people questions and going throughout the Midwest and how, you know, without, you know, people are triaged in the book, basically saying like, yeah, you got, you got too much radiation. You're going to fucking die. We're not going to help you because you're just going to die anyway. It's a waste of resources, you know? So those two guys in the book are triaged, you know, they got such heavy doses during the war that they're going to die in a few years. You know, they've been around for five, but they're probably going to die in a few more years. Uh, so they're not getting any medical care because they won't give it to them, you know. And because of people being triaged, uh, there's a lot of rise in, you know, with whether it's the British aid 
or with this now, they call them witches with basically, you know, natural medicines has become very big, you know, midwives, uh, you know, herbs, you know, herbs and spices and this natural stuff has become very big because... Did it strike you that maybe Stryber, uh, now Stryber goes on to be a big writer on the subject of UFO contacting and abductee issues and sort of new age stuff. And the idea that there's this giant boost in new age faith uh, after the bomb, uh, that also smelled like his ax to grind. Yeah. Like, you know, because I'm like, Really? I, I'm pretty sure that every hotel in the country has a does not have a book of Wicca in it. Uh, I think that I, I think Americans would go back to religion uh, after pretty hard after a, a, a and, and, and California did, you yeah. know. California was but pretty, the, uh, pretty big on that. But uh, the uh, the rise in the uh, sort of new agey stuff felt like it was, you know, uh, a bit a bit. I, I didn't quite buy that. Um, oh yeah, no. I mean, I could see the whole, you know, uh, you know, the whole, you know, not necessarily the witch doctor thing, but you know, the local doctor, natural herbs, medicines. Because if you can't get anything else, I could, I could see that coming around. Because you got people who've lived in the woods, people who live on farm. You know, you got to like take care of yourselves and natural remedies. I could see a rise in that if you can't get regular medicine. But again, he took it a couple of steps further than that. You know, where it's like. Oh, it's everything's all wicked now, and uh, you know we'll use these crystals to heal you. But, but related to that, I was going to say that this whole huge movement of euthanasia has become an acceptable it has become an acceptable medical practice now, because it's like yeah. you know what you're, you're, you're like yeah you're going to die anyway, so you just want you want to go on your own terms because you know because you're you're dead and we're not going to help you. You know what that I mean? I just didn't realize I didn't make the connection from that to the whole euthanasia thing in uh, After Earth, or, or I'm suddenly forgot the suddenly forgotten the name of the of the the other the other Whitney Strieber, uh Nature's James Kanutka, Nature's um, End, Nature's End. Yeah, um, I I, saw, I didn't really make that connection until now. Is that both of them? There was this maybe it's leftover from. Maybe it's just this trope left over from on the beach, Maybe. you know, that uh, that, that uh, euthanasia is now your 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 only choice. Fashionable, your fashionable exit from a terrible world. Um. So this, so that's so that's become a big thing. But so he goes to the country. They see all they see all this stuff and the medicine and people trying to make a living and everybody's you know. There's, you know, some areas that have pockets of, you know, trying to come back, some don't, you know. Uh, and the big, th one of the bigger things in the book was the whole thing of how New York City, you know, uh, people are still living there, even though it's really irradiated, but a lot of it's become contaminated. But basically, New York has become basically a big uh, salvaging um, uh, location. Yeah. Yeah, like, and... People, uh, people, are making, people are making a living of stripping out everything that's usable in the city. Glass. Chairs, tables, copper, you know, it's like we're, we, you know, like I said, we go back to America as a third world country and it's just a resource for the rest of the world to strip. And again, it's like his point is like, well, that's what we've been doing to everybody else. So we're getting what we deserve kind of axe to grind that he has in this book. Yeah. There's, um, there's definitely some of that going on. And there's things I wanted to, you know, I, I really wanted to like this book uh, more. More. Uh, but it kept coming up with silly things like, like again, 
uh, one of the things that seemed cool, but then it was so dumb, which was the sub-popping thing where the British Navy's hunting uh -huh. Russian submarines that are still on station. Five years later, there's some Russian typhoon boat that is surfacing, raiding Alaskan coastal villages for food, and then staying on station to do what? To, I mean, why haven't they launched their fucking missiles yet? Um, why didn't they launch them, oh, I don't know, four and a half years ago? But they're still on station, and I'm like, uh, and, and commanded by who? A team of zombies? Uh, run by some mad Cossack version of Captain Ahab? I mean, no. No boat. If they had said that was something that happened in the months after the war. Okay. Right? That the, there's uh, every Navy in the world is hunting down and forcing every boomer to surrender. You know, uh, making them know the war is over and you have to disarm and you have to surrender. That makes sense. But Years? Five years. No. Five yeah, years. no, it's, it's too much. Because, well, number one, they, you know, I don't think the Russian subs are that much better than ours when it comes to fuel, but these nuclear subs have to refuel, like, what, about every, every six months? Or they, 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 if I remember, I mean, I mean, again, I could be wrong, but I think it's, I think they're only good for, like, what, six months to a year at most? They can't run five I years. I think you're thinking... I don't think so. I think what you're thinking though about the six months is that's like how long a maximum cruise is oh, a mission. for the okay. crew, for the water reclamation systems, for the food, the carried food supply. I think maybe six months on station is like the Max. outside number. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but I don't but think that, I, I think the fuel supply on a boat. Two years maybe? Maybe, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm pulling numbers out of my, yeah, Excellent. but it's it's not more than a couple. It's not five years. That that I'm, you yeah. know, I'll swear on that one. Like, again, I don't think I'm wrong, but it's maybe it. It's I I know it's only a couple of years, but they know that every so many years. I know from what I've seen, even our our nuclear battleships subs, they have to be refueled every so many years. It's like two yeah. years, I want to say, give or take, you yeah. know, around there. So five years you know, on the same fuel, they would have been dead in the water by now. I'm sorry, you know. They would have had to make a decision whether or not to launch. Yeah. Uh, that's presuming no contact, you know, from well, they, well, they the, had the command structure. Well, they had some contact because the, the guy tells them the story. Hell, they had like a fleet of fucking ships to protect them, like, you know, attacks of yeah, yeah, boats and, you know. Yeah, it wasn't just, a, it wasn't just a, a typhoon. It was like a typhoon with a couple of other boats. Escorts. You as know. escorts, which again, which again sounds like, him imagining that the typhoon's like a, like a a B twenty five with a couple of P forty Mustang P fifty one Mustangs flying around an escort. That's not how boats. I don't operate. think that's how operate. You know, but okay. Um, that one, I remember reading it years ago and being excited by the idea. And then you know when I first read it in college or whatever, and then later realizing, hey, um, you know, that make everyone. Sense. The one thing I, uh, one thing I always gave, you know, I was always uh, when we when we hit the realm of techno thriller um, in the eighties, uh, and uh, you know, the age of the techno thriller came in with Clancy. Um, I always appreciated them getting the, the technological details correct um, because it was just one more way for me not to be jerked out of the story. Yeah. Uh, through yeah, you know, have the have my and 
certainly the lack of <laughs> the lack of firearms in war day seemed like one of the things i don't remember that i just don't remember the country bristling with firearms you know what i mean yeah um, and, and i would back, think it, back i mean i don't think it was as it was as heavily armed as it is now but it was still pretty damn heavily armed you know and where's the national guard where's the military i mean we have, you know where's all this there, there's so much no. Only, only in New York, apparently. Yeah. yeah. You know, like everybody's like a new recruit in the, in, in in these areas, but it's like you would have you would have had you know remnants of the mil you know the military there. I mean, a lot of it was like I think in the story, a lot of it was overseas, and they were going to give them safe, but it wasn't all over there. We had all you know. They only hit like one big base. You know, they hit like you know near San Antonio, New York. You know, we have bases in Florida. Yeah. We have bases in Georgia. We have bases here. We have bases there. We have bases everywhere. There's shit everywhere, you know. Well, you know, also overseas is like you know what happened to places like um, uh, Diego Garcia or, or Guam or all those military facilities in Hawaii. Fuck yeah, you know, or the or the Canal Zone or you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that is just shot right past uh, and uh, moving right, just kind of moving right along. Yeah, we need to get to the part where, uh, you know, uh, uh, where the Japanese are carving up America. And again, I'm thinking post-nuclear war, uh, where were the Japanese selling their cars again and all their products? Oh, yeah, to us. They were selling them to us. And somehow having their entire market removed only resorts to, it results in Japan becoming an imperialist power again. I'm like, mm, no, not so much. Um, I'm just, I, the, the Japanese would be scrambling to feed themselves, uh, yeah. post because especially, and, back, and, especially back then our grain fed a lot of the world. Yeah. Yeah. It still does. And the idea of us, uh, us going offline does not mean that everybody else uh, suddenly has a great time. It just, it, what it means is a bowl of rice just doubled in price. Oh yeah. You know? And, and that's gonna that's gonna put a lot of people out of uh, into empty stomachs. Yeah, especially back then. I mean, nowadays, you know, our country could easily be crippled by like just China going. You know what? All this region where every, everything you own is made here, we're we're not doing that anymore. And we would be fucked because we have no infrastructure to make anything anymore. You know, yeah. so it's not like it was. You know, but back then we still had something left. You know. Uh, so that could happen. But back then, when, again, we were feeding everybody. You know, food would be a problem. Huge problem for the world, you know. Not that we fed everybody, you know, but there would be some huge problems, you know, because yeah. uh, there's no no exports of, of, of you know of that. So yeah, yeah this is this is nineteen this is nineteen eighty nine or eighty eight. This is before Tiananmen Square. This is before the giant change in Chinese policy, where the Chinese went from having an economy the size of Norway or something to an economy that is suddenly the second largest economy in the world. I mean, the Chinese transformation since Tiananmen has been like the Japanese trans, trans, uh, transformation since Perry showed up in 1868 and opened Japan up. And then suddenly it's 1905 and they're sinking the Russian fleet uh, at Tsushima Straits using ironclad battleships when 30 years before they were hitting each other with swords and shooting each other with, you know, uh, muskets. Um, 
the Chinese have had sort of a similar transformation of power. Um, Stryber seems to just shoot right past the Chinese, like they're not even there. Well, remember, um, this, remember, remember, he also he wrote the book in '84. So yeah, where, where the Chinese are again, not really. You know, the people are sort of ignoring them. Uh, India feels like it's ignored when, and, and you know, when India is such a a yeah. huge part of the 21st century. India is kind of ignored as well. Um, but it still sort of, again, the big thing to me was it really showed certain 80s prejudices, particularly. Oh, yeah. Well, and he, the, couldn't, he couldn't foresee the changes that we see now, you know. So he was basing it on the world he was in, you know. And, and, and projecting the problem of today, five, ten years in the future. Uh, and, um, you know, I just feel like uh, the idea of um, – uh, of of Japan being a threat uh, is kind of, I, it's one of those things that always struck me as a little ridiculous. Um, Japan is just, uh, they're not the threat they were in the 30s, and the threat that they supposedly posed in the 80s wasn't much of a threat. I mean, they got rich, they made tiny radios, and they made good electronics, and they got pretty wealthy off of that. Um, their birth rate declined. Uh, you know, like everybody does when they get successful. Um, but they made the they, idea they, that they, were, they, made, they made good trains. They made fast trains. They made fast trains. But the idea that they were going to dominate America, there's a couple of ridiculous books and stuff in that from the 80s that that posit the Japanese taking over. In fact, there's a Tom. Is there a Tom Clancy one where the Japanese uh, kamikaze a 747 into a joint section of Congress? as part of their evil plan to take over America or something. And it's, oh, it's maybe. just, it's not, it, it's, um, it's, it's not good. Uh, but um, the, I don't know, the fear of the Japanese just struck me as weird when we have so many other marvelous things to be afraid of. I, I kind of remember the Iranians not getting any. Oh yeah. There's mention. nothing. There. Uh, oh, they, know, they, uh, uh, he mentioned something about Israel at one point, but it was again, very insignificant, you know, that whole, especially back in the 80s, that whole era was a fucking hotbed, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, a wash in weapons and authoritarian regimes, uh, spoiling for a fight. Heck, good old Saddam Hussein was above dirt in 1988. You know, if the Russians and the Americans blow each other up in, uh, you know, in uh, uh, World War III, uh, that either leaves him and the Iranians to sell each other's hash or maybe he invades Kuwait and Saudi Arabia and nobody's got boo to say about it. You know, you know, uh, maybe you get that uh, Gulf war and who's going to push him out? The British, the French, you know, uh, they better, uh, maybe they can do it without our throw weight, but you know, maybe the last of American military, uh, power gets used, uh, settling some things around the world. That's another possibility that, that, you know, there's a book, a series of books I read by an Australian author. They're not particularly great, um, but they were, like, it's called After America. And it's one of these things where... They have heard of that. He destroys, he destroys America through means that make no sense and are never explained. Basically, alien space bats. I mean, one day, some effect hits Earth from outer space that causes everything organic, everything every animal in North America to drop dead. And suddenly there's this big swath of North America sort of shaped like a flashlight 
beam on a floor. I got a flashlight shined on the floor and it was a stretched, you know, sort of oval shaped light beam. Everything in that area is wiped out. Huge chunks of Canada, big chunk of Mexico, uh, even reaches to Cuba and kills half of Cuba. And so America just drops dead one day. But our military is deployed around the world, right? So there's this mad scramble to get the American military back to America, uh, both to get citizens back to the empty country and also, you know, to get them over, get them out of harm's way. There's no point in the Gulf War. We, we got to go home now, you know, pull out of Iraq, pull out of uh, Afghanistan, that sort of thing. Um, and at least he sort of covered that idea. You know what I mean? That if there's this, the, the idea that these resources and these people overseas don't vanish. You yeah. Know? Well, um, yeah, and, and, yeah, in this book, they don't really go into that. Like, the only thing, there's some half-assed, lazy military around New York just kind of you know, overseeing the deconstruction of the whole city. And the, yeah. I've been thinking about this the whole time, how we, that you talked about is, again, the lack of firearms in the country. You know, resistance, more people killing each other. You know, it's like, it's like in the whole book, it's like... You know what was left no, off no, of his list? Nobody has you, any you know was left off of his... You know what was left of, off of his casualties after the war? He doesn't list any casualties from civil disorder. Oh, yeah. From people fighting over the, for the last can of beans on the block. And there would have been months of that. Everything, you know? everything, everything was just kumbaya. Like, he describes so many stories from people about, like, oh, we were traveling, we're in the hotel, and we all became a family, we hunkered down, and we helped each other out. And there was too much people just getting along. I'm not saying people wouldn't, because I think inherently people want to be good. But there's a lot of there's a lot of bad element out there, and there would be huge civil unrest, especially like I need to feed my family, and I will kill you to feed my family, you know, because there's nothing, you know. Yeah, and and the the, the book kind of glossed over, glossed past a lot of that. Um, and why, why, why didn't more people have guns? There's so many guns in this country. Why aren't more you know? Why aren't there more armed citizens? At all. Yeah. You think it would be you think it looked like the Wild West where it everybody's be. got a piece. Because yeah. it wasn't like the military was there controlling it or police or, you know, National Guard. There was you know, there's barely any presence. There's just a little bit of, you know, kind of, you know, uh fucking, you know, paper fucking, you know, authority there. Like, oh, we're part of the border. We can't come to this country. you can't come here. There's not a whole lot of that. I think it would be a little more Wild Westish, you know. Yeah. Um the other thing that also kind of got left out is the, to me, was the idea of Americans attempting to emigrate. That is to say, American immigration back to Europe. Maybe Americans are abandoning North America to try and go back to Ireland, to go back to Scotland, Germany, Denmark, Norway, you know, and join those places who didn't get nuked. Well, apparently the only immigration was everybody's trying to get to California or, you know, yeah, somewhere else in the country, maybe Canada, you know. Yes, because no one can get anywhere. Um, I'm sorry. You know, you'll notice how far the average Syrian refugee has gotten. Um, they've gotten quite far. Uh, yes, I know the Mediterranean is smaller, but they've gotten all the way here. They've gotten to Canada. They've gotten to, you know... Um, and maybe I'm overestimating the that's they've gotten around the world while the world is still working. I haven't really factored in okay, I haven't really factored in 
how badly transportation might be mauled by the EMP effects. You know? Oh yeah, but that's just here. Plenty of plenty of people would be, you know, plenty of places else in the world could be flying in planes and this and that. I, I don't know, man. It's, um, well, I think we said enough about the book, you know. Yeah, I, it's, I, I, it's not, I'm, I'm getting it's not as successful as we wanted it to be. Yeah. We wanted, wanted, it, wanted, we wanted it to be better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think our overall yeah. feelings is that it's, I'd say it's an okay novel. Not the it, worst thing, not the worst thing the, I've ever read, but it's not that great either. It wanted, you know, it's, it's aspirations, right? The aspirations of this book, to create a book that is like a, a historical document looking back over the changes in America that happened five years after a limited nuclear war. Uh, an oral history, just rather than going to academics, but to give an anti view of what the world looks like, what it's like to get food, what it's like to get clean water, what it's like to get access to education or electricity or whatever. Great idea. That's a great idea. Great idea. Um, and I just feel like I just feel like you missed the boat. Um, Execution was because he, 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 like you said, he had a lot of axes to grind, and that kind of thing interfered with his uh, ability to create a good story. And some of that might be James uh, Kanutka too, but you know, I'm blaming Whitney Stryber because he's the most famous one of the bunch, and well, he's also had more, he's also had more alien butt sex than James Kanutka, so he's going to get more of the blame. Yeah, well, there's two people who wrote the book, so you know, and it's not like two people can't write a good book. You know, look at Lucifer's Hammer. You know, yeah. not a per not a perfect yeah. story, but we love that we love that book. You know, so we 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 love that one in spite of the axes that one has to grind, and that's got plenty of axes. Oh, yeah. Everybody's got one. I, I'm beginning to think that most post-apocalyptic fiction is about getting even with people you disagreed with before the bombs dropped. It's it's a lot of it is about how to how to ha ha! I told you you were wrong. Your political and economic philosophy has failed you. And haha, I'm right, you know. Oh yeah, that's that's like you know, you know the nerds in high school trying to get back at the bullies who picked on them, and they're in school like haha. See, I'm bitter now, you know. Well, that that's that's why I have not picked up. I have not picked up any of those. Um, dies after, the fire. Dies the fire books because it's just, oh my god, just again revenge of the SCA. Um, I, I I called it SCA porn once in a thing, and somebody like went on some kind of diatribe about how I was wrong, and real SCA porn wouldn't be like that. They'd really want, they wouldn't want the blah blah blah. It's like, dude, it's SCA porn because people are gonna get off going like, look, see, the world ended, and our useless skills became useful. You know, that's what that, that's what those books are about. I'm sorry, you know. Well, and that's a lot of what it's about. You get a lot of like, aha, see, I told you, stockpiling uh, supplies equal to half our income you know, was going to pay off in the end, you know, and, and it's, it's about knowing how to right. forge swords because all of a sudden all combustion doesn't work in the world magically, you know. I, that's another alien space bat thing. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I've been sort of turned off. Another reason I'm turned off by it is that it's alien space bat technology. It was one of the reasons that grumped me about uh, revolution. Oh, and I couldn't, I try as I might, well, I yeah, couldn't get into revolution because it was alien it space bat. Once I found that was nanotechnology, I was like, ah, oh, you know. 
Well, we went through a period in the 2000s where nanotechnology did everything. If you wanted it, it was the ultimate plot device. It was responsible for every hole in the plot, you know. And we, we're not there yet to where nano, nanotechnology. I mean, I don't think it's infeasible, you know, with if nanotechnology ever develops the way they want it to be in another 100 to 200 years, you know, <laughs> not now. Um, yeah. But, but uh, you know, and that, well, nanotechnology is a big thing in, uh, in shift. So. Yeah. But um, all right, I will keep my eyes open on that. Oh my God! Yeah, it, I've only I've only just started shift. I've only okay. Just started. Uh, I'm so, spoiler alert, Scott. It's nanotechnology. But um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm. You're not going to hurt my feelings with that. Okay. All right. So, um, bottom line, War Day is aspirationally a great idea. Um, execution. Uh, a bit muddled, not not the nerding out level of technical detail and sociological and economic and political detail I would have wanted. But then again, I'm the kind of guy who, uh, when I played Twilight 2000, constantly, you know, rewrote the Twilight 2000 timeline and backstory to meet my own list of who was right and who was wrong and who's well that's the, that's the that's yeah. a sign that's a good sign of a good game master you adapt it to it's you know the rules are there to you know use the way you want but yeah the book like i said you know and it and i think again it's supposed to be you know like you said anti view it's a lot of documentation official documentation it's very dry a lot of statistics uh like i said i had trouble i even have an ebook version of it and tried reading it again I just couldn't do it. The only way I was able to get through this book was as an audio book because I'd be able to listen to it in the car when passively. You know, yeah. Just, you know, when I'd have hour, you know, I'd be like, you know, before I moved, you know, when I was commuting back and forth to work because it's like, well, I got nothing else to do and I could just kind of listen to it because even just listening to those, reams of statistics it's just so like oh my god if i had to sit down and read this i would fall asleep every single time you know yeah. but um but again not the worst book out there you know again it, it uh, like it's like like scott has said the aspirations conceptually i think it's a solid idea and i think it really had a lot of potential i just think it fell a little short you know um yeah. is it worth a read uh if, I would if, have, you, I, if you enjoy being right, more right than the author, you'll have a ball. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's not something I would put high on my list of recommendations. There's a lot of books I would put first. You know, If you want to be a completist to try to read as much post-apocalyptic fiction from the 80s like we all do, um, mm -hmm. I'd say definitely put it on your list. But, again, there's, there's higher things on, on the list uh, for, for sure um, out, out there. So... Um, you know, like it could be worse. You could be reading the, um, the ashes series, you know, but, um, you know, out of the ashes into the ashes besides the ashes, you know, um, <laughs> or, or, over the ashes, over the ashes. I really think he peaked with, with beside the ashes, besides the ashes. That was probably the best one. And then it all kind of went downhill after that. Then they had down the street from the ashes. Ooh. Um, post office box of the ashes. Yeah, it got a little, got a little lost. He lost touch with the ashes, Jerry. Yeah, he lost yeah. touch with the ashes. 
Um, anyway, so that that's that's the book, folks. Again, it's not like I said, it's uh, it's not something I would rush out and read. You know, I um, mean, our last book review was uh, wool. I, I would pick that up well before I pick up. Uh, oh, wool's wool's just a, a more compelling story. You yeah. know, um, wanting to do D- uh, different kind of. Stu- Different kind of story. It's more of just a story, a fiction story, whereas this one, again, uh, it, it, what it's, the story that it's trying to tell is different, you know? Yeah. But, um, but again, you know, some people might, like the, might have liked Wardy a lot more than us, and that's completely possible because there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff that people like a lot more than you or I do. Or, in, you know, there's a lot of things yeah. that we really like that people don't like, you know? So that, again, folks, this is just our take on it, you know, our, and our opinion on it. So, um, take, take it, take it as you will. Yes. We're, uh, we, 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 your, your mileage may vary. Yes. Mileage may, mileage may vary. So, uh, like I said, my, our mileage may vary. Like I said, I'm really excited about getting more into, like I said, that one book that I'm reading, the, uh, the, what the hell was it called? The, uh, post-apocalyptic nomadic warriors by Benjamin Wallace. I'll post something about that because again, it's just, you know, total tongue-in-cheek apocalypse, you know, and you know what, I, I kind of look forward to reading something because everything's always been like, oh, the apocalypse, and it's like, they, this, you know, takes a lighthearted view of it, so I'm kind of curious to see how it pans out. He's got like okay. four books, he's got like four books out in, in that series. Uh, uh, so you know, I might, I, might, I might throw up some of the older, some of the other uh, post-apocalypse stuff I've got up here on my bookshelf. I'm remembering there's a, an absurdist novel by Ron Goulart called, um, Oh God! Like uh, uh, after things fall apart, and uh, sort of uh, you know, sort of a very ridi- sort of just ridiculous satire, tongue-in-cheek, post-apocalyptic world uh, set in California, where California is filled with every ridiculous California fad and and political, you know, reactionary and and leftist, uh, you know, granola eater. Uh, has has turned into a warlord, you know, controlling their ten square blocks or their two blocks or maybe just a couple of floors of a high rise, and he sort of skewers California uh, society, uh, you know, with his his with his uh, his novel well, uh, or novella. These things are these things are short. Uh, some of these things are stunningly short compared to, you know, War Day, which is five hundred. 515 pages long. So it is also not thin, which is uh, perhaps another bar to entry on that. Yeah, All right. It's a little dense. So are we, anyway, done? So we are done, folks. So again, we, like, like we said, uh, I, think you've, I think you've gauged what we think about it at this point. So um, not sure we're going to next topic is going to be. Maybe, maybe, it'll, maybe it'll be shifts. We'll see if I can get to that quickly. Or maybe we'll do a movie. Not, me and Scott will talk. Uh, uh, one thing we may do a little bit differently, folks, uh, for you who are watching it live now, is we start off with this whole idea of doing it on a consistent day and time, you know, so people could watch. But and we were just talking about this, like, well, why do we have to do that? You know, and, and we don't think it's really necessary because sometimes we run into conflicts, especially if Google Hangouts. Google Hangouts is going to be changing the way they do stuff. We may yeah. just pre-record. You may just pre-record. We may have to do something a little bit different, folks. We may just. You know, so sorry, so, sorry, Colin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, so, Colin. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Uh, so if it go, so if the Google Hangouts changes enough to where we won't be able to utilize it anymore, then we're going to have to do something like you know, we'll still do a video just because people like to watch as well. 
uh, we'll post on the channel. Like we'll do, maybe we'll have to do like a, um, you may have to do a Skype and I'll have to just record the video, which I could do on the computer and then we'll just do it whenever, you know, but for now, even, even with the Google plus Hangouts still being active, uh, we may just do it whenever we feel we could do it. You know, like if me and Scott have some time, me and me, we may do it one afternoon on a Saturday, you know? So I think, I think the consistent time of doing it may go away just because I think we should do it when we have some time, you know, because, you know, a lot of times Scott runs into conflicts, I run into conflicts, and that was always a lot of the times where we wound up pushing it out for weeks because it's like we kept on running into a problem with that one day, this day and time that we had to do, you know, but if we could just do it anyway, like, hey, you free Saturday afternoon, okay, good, let's do it, you know, so th you may see some changes, but we're still, I promise you, we're still going to keep doing the show. We're still going to give you the same high quality content that we always give you. Uh, we just uh, we just we, we just may do it in a little different format, but uh, than how we're doing it now. But it's still going to come out there. And again, once I know what's going to be coming up, uh, we will be sure to let you folks know. So, absolutely. That being said, we are done. We want to thank you for being with us. I am Jared the Apocalypse, Nerd Wallace. He is Adam Bomb Glancy. We reviewed, I'll click on that so they can see it. We reviewed War Day. So, again, um, do what you want with it. So, all right, folks, um, we will see you in the wastelands. Thank you and good night.